Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus is right. I mean, he's Jesus, so of course he's right. But he's right on both accounts when it comes to dividing the sheep and the goats and those words of judgment spoken to either group. It's what the Lord does. God divides people as he came not to bring peace but the sword. As he says, whoever is not for him is against him. So Jesus is right in those those words from the gospel reading. So Matthew records for us, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Now the question we ask ourselves then is, what is going on and what's the difference between these sheep and goats? But you know what? Jesus tells us. It's not hidden why they are divided and why the sheep enter eternal joy and the goats enter eternal condemnation. There's always a danger in this text of wanting to try to sideswipe or sidestep the words of Jesus. But what does the text tell us? The sheep served Christ. The goats did not. So the sheep are commended for their good works. The goats are condemned for their failure. That's the plain sense of the text. That's what God says. Now, confronted with this fact, we're left scratching our heads because we're good Lutherans. We're placed into a corner with no escape. But the law of God has a way of doing that, doesn't it? We're confronted with this. It convicts us, and every mouth and tongue are stopped, and we're left without excuse. But then we start to look at this, and we see, like so many things in theology and in the scriptures in general, there's a tension in what Jesus says because we look at the whole of scriptures. So what we do is we don't view passages like this in isolation, just cherry-pick it out and then take everything from that, but we view it in account with, in view of the whole counsel of God, the whole scriptures. And that's when things seem to get clearer. So really, this gospel reading, in some ways, teaches us just, a much, just as much about biblical interpretation as it does about good works. The reading today is a textbook example of how Scripture interprets Scripture. One of the basic things when we read the Bible, we look at Scripture and how it interprets itself. So looking closer, we see other passages of Scripture are read with this one in Matthew. So with this sheep and the goats in mind, what does God say? Well, we all know the passage as well. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, lest no man should boast. Again, it is written, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And having Reformation Sunday a couple of weeks ago, we heard that great epistle reading from Romans 3, which ended with saying, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. So the list goes on. There's no shortage of these passages, and there's no doubt what God teaches on this matter. That, too, is clear. Salvation is a gift received through faith, delivered through the means of God's word. Martin Luther rediscovered this from the scriptures, and a key passage which set in motion the Reformation was the short passage, Romans 1, verse 17. And it quotes the the Old Testament prophet Habakkuk. For in the righteousness of God, it is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. 
So the Bible teaches us that the righteousness which avails before God is the righteousness of faith. The righteous don't live by their works. That is, that's not what they trust in. They live by faith. So this is what the scriptures teach. And the scriptures teach something else as well. In John 15, 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Right? We have that right up there. Part of it, at least. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Colossians 3 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Romans 2 also teaches, but because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey in righteousness, there will be wrath and fury. Now, there's many other passages we could go through saying the same things as well. So, we are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone? Absolutely. So God rewards us for our good works? Yes, he does. Both of those statements are true. The Bible teaches both of those things. So now knowing that God teaches us both of those things... Let's look closely again at our gospel reading and what Jesus does say and what he doesn't say. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom before you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous, here he calls them that, will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So Jesus commended those on his right, the sheep, who he calls the righteous ones, for their works. But you notice something? What doesn't he bring up? Well, let's listen to the rest of the reading. Then he, Jesus, will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will answer, answer, also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So Jesus does not hold the sin of the sheep against them. 
what does he do? He only recognizes their works. In Romans 4, God says, David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. So the sheep, or as Jesus calls them, the righteous, they're covered with something. The righteousness of their shepherd. So their lives are lived by faith, because remember, the righteous will live by faith. And the works they do come as a fruit from the vine, whom they are attached to, as the branches. But the goats, however, they stand condemned in their sin. Their lives are lived apart from faith. Their question they ask of Jesus is a telltale sign as well. Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or a sick person and did not minister to you? They wanted to live their lives with the exception they could be in control and do something for Jesus. They had known, then if they had known this was the case. Because rather than a fruit of faith, they saw their works as the root, the tree of their faith, which they trusted in for their foundation. Right? You have kids at home, you reward one of them for doing something good, and then the other kids want to start doing that because they think what? They'll be rewarded. So dear people of God, hear all of this today and know what your Lord says in his word before you. We're approaching the end of the church year, and every year we hear that sure and certain promise that Jesus will come again. Just as we confess in the creed, he will come again to judge the living and the dead. And on this day of judgment, he divides people. So when is this day? You don't know when, but you do know the day is surely drawing near, as the hymn says. The tune in German is Es ist gewisslich. This is surely or certainly, right? In the catechism, we have Das ist gewisslich war. This is most certainly true, kind of that parallel. So look at your sin look, and look at your life. Jesus is coming. Repent. Because when you persist in sin, you're rejecting the Lord's forgiveness. You're wanting Jesus to judge you by it. You want that to be the thing by which you're known for. Not living by faith, but living outside of God's kingdom. The blood of Christ covers your sin and puts it onto him who has paid the price for it. But when you want to, to persist, when you want to cling to sin, you're clinging to that very thing which will forget, condemn you. You're saying, Lord Jesus, know me by these things which you tell me lead to death. So repent. Because you see, when faith is confronted by sin, what does it do? It confesses it. It repents. It doesn't try to make excuses in your life saying, well, if I only would have known this. No, God tells you. But it answers God's judgment with, you're right, Lord. Your word is true. I have sinned. Lord, have mercy. So take seriously all of this and see the future in the gospel reading. This will happen. Judgment is coming. But you see, here's the thing. As you're sitting here right now, on this cold November day, you know what God's going to say. You know the judgment of God and what he will say to you. And this very word keeps you, it guards you in the faith, which is why it's so eternally deadly to stop hearing this word. 
Sheep hear and follow their shepherd. It's not complicated. So what is this judgment that you will hear on the last day? When that image which is so vivid before us and which we just sang about? Well, look and listen, dear saints of God. You're sitting in this place. And right here is a baptismal font in front of you. And you see that and it reminds you of what God has done for you in your baptism. Your sin, forgiven. Rescued from death and the devil. Given eternal salvation. So what you will hear when you stand before Jesus, well, you've already heard it. You keep hearing it this morning, a few minutes ago. God's appointed servant stood before you and said, I forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father and then of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And that's just as if Jesus is speaking to you himself. That's what your Lord has said to you. And you will taste and see what God will say to you as you take into your mouth the body and blood of Christ, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Because you know what God will say to you because he's already saying it. And he's saying it over and over and over again. Because your life is hidden in Christ. Because you've been crucified him and clothed with him in the waters of your baptism. So see your life differently than those who, as those who have been saved by grace through faith and have been prepared by God to do good works for your neighbor. And yes, dear Christians, God will reward you. He will say, well done, good and faithful servant, not because you're such a great person, but because he doesn't look at your sin. Covered with Christ, all he sees is his righteousness. Rebecca and I had a professor in college that would say, when God looks at us on account of a Christ, he looks at us not through rose-colored glasses, but blood-covered glasses. So then your works in this life are beautiful, luscious, delicious fruit produced through his word, even those small things. And so your works in this life are those that Christ has given to you and you desire what he commands, and you listen to his commandments. You let his word be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Let his word show you the way through this life in which life is lived in faith toward him and in love toward your neighbor. Put away all that is false and put on the new life you've been given in your baptism. And take delight in this too where God has placed you in this world. Don't spurn these callings. The sheep do such ordinary things. There's always a debate, is this for just Christians in general? Is it for the office of the ministry that they're doing too when he uses that term brother? The point being, they're doing these things, right? Are there times when they failed? Yes. But first and foremost, you are a hearer of the word of God, for without God's word, you do not have Christ and his benefits. Then look where you are in your families. Listen to the instruction of God, what it means to be a husband, a father, a brother, sister, or whatever station you have in this estate. Finally, look at your neighbors around you, outside of your family. See where God has placed you to serve him and confess the faith as salt and light in this world and as the church as a city set on a hill. Do all these things intentionally as one who knows Christ and what has been won for you. Because you're not doing it to save yourself, but you're doing it because this is who you are, a sheep of God. And it's always a wonderful thing. Luther will sometimes talk about this too. When we think about then the last day then, you know, the sheep... God doesn't remember all those times that they didn't feed the, those who were hungry, didn't go to visit, but the times that they did those things. And we're surprised about how little these things are. You know, to have God, can you imagine that scene standing before the throne of God and God saying, you had that terrible poopy diaper you changed. Well done. 
But that's the glorious thing about our works in Christ. They're beautiful. They're wonderful. They serve our neighbor. Even if at times now they're really smelly and stinking, you've got to wash your hands three times. So what a wonderful reading then this is about the sheep and the goats. There's this glorious tension at first that God shows us, but one by faith, you know the resolution. You know the answer to it. Christ for you is your confidence to face that day and a reason why, as a sheep, you have eternal life. It's Christ, his righteousness. And that's what God says to you, even now, dear people. So look forward to that final day as we prayed in that closing hymn, one of the earliest prayers of the church, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, that great Advent theme that we're approaching. So look forward to that day when you stand before the Lord and the Lord says to you, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Amen.